What's up, everybody? It's Austin Rivers from the Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a new year, and I have a new podcast here at The Ringer, Off Guard, hosted by me and my guy, Pasha Hagigi. Austin and I go way back and talk so much hoop already that we figured it was time to fire up the mics and let you in on all of these conversations. Every week, Pasha and I will hit on the biggest stories happening in the league and get Austin's perspective of someone currently hooping in the NBA. Tap into Off Guard every Friday on The Ringer NBA show feed on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+. plus. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. Yo, yo. So yo, yo, yo. Oh, different Jason. I was thinking of a different Jason. This is Jason ah. Goff. My God. How you feeling, brother? Oh, shit. He like, hey, hey, Jesse, that, that's never a good thing. When the <laughs> no, 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 like, oh, God, God damn, this is thing, us. You know what I'm saying? That's a great thing. Oh, my God. How, how you feeling, you, What's up, bro? I'm how you good, feeling? man. I'm good. I'm good. How you feeling? I man, if I was any better, it'd be illegal. Shit, I listen. You, you, this is this is why it's important for us to to stick together and be around each other. Because These are facts, bro. Let's Christian Winfield, ladies and gentlemen. All right, we already in here. We already in here. <laughs> Always be recording is the motto of this show. And ladies yes, and gentlemen, sir, what's going on, brother? This is the Full Go Podcast. I am Jason Golf, and this is... What episode is this, Jesse? Is this 205? Yeah, 205. It's 205. Oh, All right. Yeah, yeah. Christian had brought his black ass in here. He thought hey, he was going to be talking to somebody else. <laughs> Got that hoodie on. You know I know. We chilling know. right now. We big chilling. Yeah. So this is the thing. You're on the beat that keeps on giving. Um, if you don't know by now, you need to get into him. Christian Winfield yeah, uh, covers the Nets for the Daily News out there in the great city of New York. Um, sure. I, 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 there's a there's a lot going on on your beat right now, my man. Yeah. Um, Kyrie Irving, man. It's, I <laughs> talk, talk to talk to me about what's yesterday happening. or maybe the day before yesterday. Whatever day Kyrie decided to ask for a trade, I thought I was gonna have an off day. You know what I'm saying? I'm chilling. I'm over there looking at my, my, my schedule. I'm like, my schedule's wide open. Let me go box. Let me go for a jog. Let me hit the gym. Let me plug up my phone. Maybe link somebody. Right. Maybe link two somebody's. You know what I'm saying? Right. Middle right. of the day, boom. Kyrie requested trade. I'm like, oh, man. And my life really hasn't been the same. Man. I've been busy for the last 48 hours, man. So here we let's are. Get down, let's get down to it, though. Let's get down to it. Covering a team on a on a daily basis is a lot different than just throwing out a column here or there sure. or dropping in when a big game is happening to walk around the stadium, not watch the game, talk to two people and call yourself an insider. You're tapped in with the squad. <laughs> when, when Kyrie, yeah, you know, no no shade to anybody yeah, else yeah, doing nah, the job when you're doing it. But no, nah, you, you've been grinding for a while. Like, I, you know, I, I first ran into Christian uh, in a group chat. 
Uh, for, yeah, that's don't, never, don't you start. never a good don't way to yeah. introduce how you must. I'm just somebody in a group chat. That just sounds like it's about to go left, you know what I'm saying? So no, I mean, just, it, it, it won't. Let's just it skip won't. the group chat because I don't even know what the hell I said in the group chat, well, you know what I'm saying? It was, the, it was the minority in sports group okay, chat. Okay, yeah, yeah. We, now, shout I had out some to controversial Shana. moments in that group chat, too, but we just And on. I had to bounce. And I had to bounce. <laughs> I had to bounce when, when people started talking about things that, that didn't have anything to do with anything. I'm like, okay, <laughs> this is, you know, it, 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 it became yeah, clubhouse for, for industry people. Yeah, you know basically. What I mean? That's exactly <laughs> so, what it was. So, oh. Oh, this man, this young man has been tapped in with the Brooklyn Nets uh, for a minute now. And in watching how this situation is unfolded, Christian, like I want to get down to the moment Kyrie arrived till, till now, because I, I'd like to, to get through the, the process because sure. Kyrie Irving is definitely um, he's not. I don't think Kyrie Irving is crazy. I don't think Kyrie Irving is um wayward. I do think Kyrie Irving has an issue with always thinking he's the smartest dude in the room. Sure. And that sometimes being his downfall. I mean, we've talked to people who were at Duke, talked to people, obviously, uh, who were in Cleveland, the Boston situation. In every situation, it seems like Kyrie gets to a point where he's looking at people around him and thinks that, you know, I'm better than this or, you know, you guys don't deserve me. Um, wh- and, and if I'm speaking out of turn, Please correct me. No, when, when he got to Brooklyn and when you started to cover him, like what what have your interactions been with Kyrie Irving? Let's let's start there and then we can kind of manifest and go through this timeline. Well, there's different versions of Kyrie Irving, right? There's that Kyrie Irving who's sweet to the media when he wants to be, and then there's the Kyrie Irving who's condescending, right? That's really the word that you, know, you can use to describe his interactions, at least with us at times, right? Like that it, it depends on the mood. Right. Well, depending on how Kyrie Irving feels, he can be thank you for for giving me this platform or he can be, you know, you guys don't even know what it is that I'm talking about. Right. Depending on who it is that or, or what day it is. Um, but the constant through all that is basketball elite. Right. Like oh. and that's where the conversation for me begins. The man is Genius. as advertised on the basketball court. The Nets understand that really the whole basketball world understands that problem is as you alluded to, when it comes to things off the court, he feels like he is above or smarter or whatever word you want to use to describe his superiority above the rest of us, right? And then on top of that, it's just, it's tough, right? Because you look back in, since he came to the Nets, right? Year one, I don't think, and, and this was in the right, year one, Kevin is hurt, right? He's not playing that entire year. Kyrie comes in, plays games, gets hurt. And, you know, since that year is a wash, he, I, obviously he couldn't have sat out that year. I don't think that makes sense for someone who's fully healthy to sit out. But, like, mm-hmm. him playing that season, I, I think that mattered. After that, it just all it, it just became a snowball effect to how we got here today. You've got, I think this was before COVID. So this was when the insurrection at the Capitol happened, right? That's really where things start. Kyrie takes two weeks off for personal reasons, right? Why isn't he playing? He's trying to sort out his emotions as to how he feels that stuff is going crazy in Washington, right. D.C., right? Red flag right. goes off. Red flag already was up before that, but red flag really at that point, okay, this man's missing basketball games for something that's completely unrelated to the court, right? Next year, COVID comes, and, and there's some subsect of people. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a large majority of people that'll give him a pass for COVID, right? COVID challenged everyone's personal beliefs because you're forced to get a, a vaccine. You know, uh, quite frankly, you know, I'm on a test-to-test basis week-to-week right now. I have to get COVID tested every single week because I chose not to get that second booster shot. I got vaccine shot one, vaccine shot two, booster shot one, booster shot two comes around. I'm like, yo, why am I getting a, a second booster shot? when the people who are fully boosted over here are, are coughing and sneezing and getting everybody sick, but they don't have to go get tested. I got to go get tested. I personally decided, yo, I'm just going to test week to week, right? Kyrie had the more extreme test. He said, yo, I'm not going to get this vaccine, period, right? And in a city with a vaccine mandate, that's obviously a no-fly, a no-go, missing basically the entire first half of the season. Vaccine mandate doesn't get lifted until late March. Now that's half the season down the drain for Kyrie. Nets come back. James Harden gets frustrated. He wants to go. Mm. Last season is a wash. And then this season, you have the, the posting of the anti-Semitic stuff. And no matter what way you you stand on that, it's tone deaf. At the bare minimum, it's tone deaf. And, and at the maximum, it's it's very, I don't know what the word is. It, it 
uh, it really infringes on a very specific group of people and their beliefs. And, and it's just a dangerous situation for everybody. And he didn't even apologize for what he did until after the Nets suspended him. That's where I think the last straw was, right? The Nets decided, okay, th- this is too much. And then after going through all that, he decides, okay, trade deadline comes around. If you guys don't want to give me a, a long-term, fully guaranteed contract, I, I want out. So it, it's just a snowball effect of different things the Nets had issues with, which any employer should rightfully have issues with. The issue on the Nets side is that, number one, you knew Kyrie coming in was coming with this. And number two, you knew that when it comes to superstar players, they all tend to come with some baggage that gets overlooked because of what they're able to do on the court, right? Every superstar player comes with something, whether it's low management, whether it's whatever it is, these franchises are paying them the money and they know that they're going to deliver at the end of the season. And that just goes to show you how much Kyrie must have gotten on that front office and management nerves to the point where they're just flushing. Don't let's, let's, let's be very, very plain about it. The Nets are not championship contenders right now. They make a trade for, I don't know, maybe a DeMar DeRozan, or maybe if they get OG Ananobi, OG Ananobi is probably the worst player that they could get that'll put them back into that championship conversation right now. Right. Nets are no longer championship contenders. They chose that to, to basically spike the idea of a championship to get rid of the headache that Kyrie Irving gave them. That says a lot about the organization. That says a lot about what Kyrie put them through. And now you're looking at Kevin Durant because it's like, man, do you want to be here for another situation where you guys are about to... I don't think there's any way where they get past the second round this year because you're already blowing the core of that group up in the middle of the season. Now you got guys coming in. We're going to be talking about the next three weeks. For the next three weeks, we're going to talk about chemistry. Oh, we got to build chemistry. Guys don't know how to play with each other. Um, it, it's terrible. But at the end of the day, this is the position that the organizations took. You can't be mad at them for feeling the way they felt, but you can point at what they've said all along, which is we want to win a championship. And be like, well, hey, you guys sold us season tickets on the idea of, of Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and the ghost of Ben Simmons, because Ben Simmons hasn't really been playing well. And now you've got, what, Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, Kevin Durant is hurt, Ben Simmons isn't playing. Uh, it's a tough time to be a Nets fan right now, for sure. And I, that's exactly where I want to go with it with you because the, the whole Nets fan part, I, I find it interesting, like the, the ecosystem that the Brooklyn Nets are, are kind of in right now because yeah. even when they had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden, you know, how many Nets fans are there truly? Like I remember going to Jersey um, every summer. It was, it was always a, um, it was always like a, a, a call back to reality because I'd have a summer. I'd have a summer in Belize for a month and a half and my family down there. And then I'd come and visit my family in Philadelphia and New Jersey right after that. So I'd be in paradise and then I'd go to Broad Street and then I'd go to Newark, New Jersey, yes, or East Orange, New Jersey. Uh-huh. And that's when the, net, the Nets, like I was a Derek Coleman fan because yeah. I was always around my, my cousins and everybody who's Nets fans. So when they moved from New Jersey to Brooklyn, I, I know it's not the same, and I know the, the, the yeah. Jay-Z situation and the Prokhorov situation and the sure. Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, like they've had different iterations of come be a part of Nets basketball. After this trade, what do Nets fans, the ones that are still remaining, have to look forward to, if anything? It's unfortunate because the Nets fan base hasn't been stronger than it is right. I, I maybe we'll say five days ago, the Nets fan base was... <laughs> I was in Philly covering Sixers Nets and Nets fans were in Philly trying to out chant those crazy Sixers fans. The fact that they were even heard in that building goes to show you how far that fan base has come. And now you've got Kyrie going and and granted Kyrie got booed, not him personally, but they showed Kyrie on the Jumbotron. They do the introducing the Nets before the game starts. You have, you know what I'm saying? A week ago, Ben Simmons got booed on that Jumbotron because he wasn't playing well. (laughs) Kyrie got booed by fans. He's never been booed. In the his, as long as I've been covering this team, not even if he's down, if the Nets are down 40 and he's on the court, he's never been booed. He got booed the day he or the day after he requested a trade, that that uh that Wizards game. Uh that speaks volumes to where this fan base is with him right now. And granted, there is a fan base, right? There has been a, obviously that's the long standing joke. The Nets don't have any fans, right? I, I mm-hmm. used to joke around about that when I first came because it's right, 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 right. when I walked into Barclays Center. It was like, okay, what the hell is right. happening today? There's actually fans now who are torn because this decision by management ultimately ruins the season, right? There's no way you can rationalize having championship expectations with getting rid of your second best player for the guy who you traded out in the first place to make space for the superstars. And I like the Dorian Finney-Smith pickup. The Nets have been trying to get him for a while. Dallas wasn't trying to trying to make that move. They extended him earlier. Um, 
I like that pickup. In terms of the fans, though, they're kind of torn. I've been looking at Twitter. I've been talking to some fans. Fans have been texting me. Some of them actually feel like Kyrie is 100% in the wrong, right? Like, this is a guy mm. who's getting paid to play in his hometown. All we want you to do is show up and play. We know you're good. Just be a team player. He didn't do that. The headache is not worth the hassle. But then there's the other side of the fan base that rightfully understands that, like, once you trade a guy like Kyrie away, number one, what does that mean for Kevin? And number two, what does that mean for winning, right? You've got the Bucks, You've got the Celtics. You've got the 76ers. The Cleveland Cavaliers probably take a step up ahead of the Nets right now. There's a lot of teams at that top of the Eastern Conference yeah. that are now better than the Nets, depending on what Sean Marks is able to do in the next, what, three or four days, right? If he goes and pulls up a trade for DeRozan or even Ananobi, I like Ananobi if he can, if he, if they make that move. Um, but there just aren't that many players out there available that the Nets can get that'll actually replace that type of impact that Kyrie has. Uh, and, and that's kind of the problem here. You you sold your fans on this grand vision. You traded away draft picks to get James Harden. You don't have those picks. So now if they end up trading away Kevin and you stink this year and you stink next year and you stink the year after that, you can't even reap the benefits of being bad because the Rockets own your picks and they own the swap, the swap rights to your picks. Mm. Um, it's a tough situation. Um, and, and Nets fans are in a tough spot. But they, And that's the worst part, right? Them being in a tough spot after they, they've come so far as a fan base, man, like... I remember covering these games when the Nets were winning 20 games a season and you could barely, it, it was a, it was an away arena, but you had opposing teams coming in there and their fans were out here showing up. Uh, now you've got actually diehard Nets fans that are just like torn now because their second best player is no longer the team and their championships are almost close. I know Bulls fans who are listening to this pod and their ears are perking up because this is the second time <laughs> that you've mentioned DeMar DeRozan and yeah. this Bulls franchise and Arturus Karnaschovas and Mark Eversley have gone with continuity over the last couple of off-seasons and little tinkers here and there going Dragic and Andre Drummond kick the tires on Danilo Gallinari, but obviously right. that didn't work out. Then Danilo gets hurt. DeMar DeRozan, uh, is that name being thrown around a lot in New York right now? That name is being thrown around by fans. Uh, I don't know if that's a, a realistic target for the Nets, given what it would take to pry a player of his caliber away. I mean, you're talking about the remainder of your draft picks. I believe the Nets can only trade like three of whatever draft picks they have left. and They don't really have very many of those left. And they're talking about matching salaries. I don't know what the trade market is right now for Ben Simmons, right? If you want to pair Ben Simmons, Lonzo Ball, and, and Zach Levine together and talk about light skin delight, sure, right? Call that what you want to call it. I don't know how many games that wins you. And I don't I don't know if there's even a market for that right now. So you're looking at in Brooklyn, your best tradable assets are Joe Harris, Seth, Seth Curry, Cam Thomas. I don't think the Nets are trying to trade Nick Claxton right now. You're looking at those guys and some picks. And what is that going to get you? Possibly an OG. Um, I, I don't know. It's tough right now. It really depends on what's out there. I think DeMar is more of a, of a fan fiction fantasy than actual realization. But it'd be nice, though. You put DeMar and KD and Spencer and Ben and all these other guys on the floor. I mean, they could probably get some work. wins, but I don't know if it's real. All right. The Kevin Durant part. Hitching your wagon to Kyrie Irving. You know, uh, this thing for Kevin Durant and his legacy and the things that are going to be said about him. Going forward, you know, the the way the Golden State thing ended, hell, the way the Oklahoma City thing ended, now the way this thing is ending. What do you think is going through his mind? You, you've been around this dude uh, for the last couple of years. Um, first of all, wh- how is he to cover? Like, because I, you know, I, I see Kevin Durant. I see a dude who just does want to hoop. Yeah. But anytime you have that much power, that much stature, you're that important, sometimes you start to put yourself in positions maybe that, you know, your, your, your resume doesn't call for. Like, I think a lot of these dudes, when we talk about player empowerment, like none of y'all are GMs, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you don't, like, I don't, I don't call people to the crib that, that do carpentry to cook. Right. Exactly. I don't call chefs to the crib to fix the car. You feel exactly. me? Like, you call people to do the job that they could do. What do you think's happening with Kevin Durant right now? And, and, and how has he been in the space next to Kyrie Irving over the last couple of years? Kevin, to answer, I think your first question is, what is it like to cover Kevin Durant? It, it's a joke, right? Like, this is a guy who is just hell-bent on... Every time we ask him... Here's an example of how fun it is to cover Kevin Durant. Every time we ask him about minutes restrictions or playing too many minutes, he says, hey, let me die out there on the basketball court. I want to go right. out there and play as many minutes for my team because I know... If I'm on the floor, my team has a great chance to win. 
that's just a microcosm of who Kevin Durant is. He's going to come out and he just wants to hoop. The issue is, like you said, he hitched his wagon to a guy like Kyrie. And granted, they're great friends, right? They have this impeccable relationship or whatever you want to call it. I don't know where the relationship is now that Kyrie's in Dallas and Kevin's here in Brooklyn with lesser hopes to win a championship. Um, but it's difficult. Um, and, and for him, I, I don't want to uh, speculate about what he's thinking. But at the same time, just having covered him for a while, I would assume he's disappointed, right? Like right. when Kyrie decided not to get vaccinated, and we were still thinking that he might, right? Like, like there might be a chance that he would. Kevin came out and said, and I'm, I'm kind of almost quoting him directly here. I don't want to be naive, but I would like to think that Kyrie is going to get this vaccine shot so that he'd come back on the floor and everything would be fine. That never happened. I'd probably think that he didn't want to be naive when thinking this trade request was for real and not just a, a ploy to get a bigger deal. But now here he is like Will Smith and the Fresh Prince in the room all by himself. Looking around, and he ain't got no help except for Ben Simmons, who's on a max contract, ever averaging seven, six, and six. Right? Like it, it, it's bad, and you feel for him. Um, but at the same time, almost like you feel again about the Nets. You knew what you were getting into. There was right. enough of a breadcrumb trail where from Kyrie from Cleveland to Boston to Brooklyn, where you knew okay something was going to go down. And there's been more. There's been multiple things that have gone down throughout this whole time. So, um, but at the same time, you know the. The flip side of every coin when it comes to Kyrie is just how special of a basketball player he is. And that's the position he puts his teammates in. That's the position he puts the organization in. Special basketball player, at a certain time, you've got to say enough is enough. Um, I don't know that Kevin reached that enough is enough point himself. Uh, but at a, at some point, man, it, it just becomes too much. So I don't know. I, I, think, I think obviously he'd be disappointed, devastated, whatever words you want to use. Um, I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, he asked for a trade this offseason. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if he visits that. But at the same time, I think the Nets want to try to put some type of contender around him. Whether they're able to, I don't know. Um, but we'll find out in the next three days. You know, we've been talking about it on this pod, and I started talking about it a year ago, uh, how we are getting ready to look smack dab in the face of guaranteed contracts in this league going by the wayside. Um, and if Joe Sy isn't going to be the one pounding that table along with the rest of the owners, I mean, you just take a look at and and this is no shade to any of these brothers. It's just the facts. Yeah. You take a look at the John Wall situation. Take a look at the Kyrie Irving situation. Now Kevin Durant, what, a year into an extension was like, yo, yeah. <laughs> get me the fuck up out of here. Exactly. Right? Like you look at all the Ben Simmons situation. Hell, you got three guys on the same team <laughs> who they're going to be talking about in the CBA, right? Yeah. And if anybody's going to do it, I mean, Joe Sy, he did not. I, I, he was. He became very public in my eyes yeah. that I didn't know he wanted to be in this very season. So what what do you think is happening right now, not only with the players union, but with ownership groups across the league who are looking at the NFL model? Because the NFL model is looking at the NBA like, hey, y'all, y'all messing around exactly. and empowering these black quarterbacks and, and making them ask for trades. Hey, hey, they could, hey, Christian, when Russell Wilson was like, hey, get me the F up out of here. I was like, oh, yeah. it took Russell for, for somebody to understand their power structure, right? Oh, what do you think is going to happen with, with contracts in the NBA? with what we've seen over the last couple of years, if any movement when the next CBA comes up. There's definitely going to be something, and I feel for the next generation uh, of basketball player coming into the NBA because they're going to have to deal with the repercussions of a Kyrie Irving, of a Kawhi Leonard, of these guys who either use load management or whatever term you want to use to not play your full 82-game season. But I think there's also that ongoing conversation of is 82 a number that we want to stick to, right? We've seen the NBA throw 72 at the wall, 10 fewer games that they can play. And then there's the other area that we always see now, which is... Owners ain't giving up that concession money, though. They ain't giving up that parking, Christian. Come on, you they're know They're not, that. but at the same well, the last time... last time we've seen contraction in anything, right? Listen, you've also got fans who are paying for tickets in advance, right? And coming mm. in games, LeBron and AD sat out the, the Nets game. Darvin Hinn came out and said LeBron had a significant ankle injury just for LeBron to come out, skip the Barclays Center game, and go play at MSG the next night. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is an issue on, on all different fronts. You got fans who are paying for tickets in advance and not seeing the player. You know, I think Kobe even said that. It's like, yo, and what about that one family who saved up their money just so they could see me play? Why would I sit out? That's not the same DNA that we got in the NBA right now. You got guys missing games for whatever reason now. So it's a, it's a multifaceted conversation. You got the fan aspect of it. You have the, the MVPA aspect of it because the players have a, have a gripe, too. 82 games is a lot. You want them to get hurt. You don't want them to get hurt, but 
in Kyrie's stance, you want Kyrie to play 82 games, but you're not giving him any guarantees beyond the season. What if he gets hurt? Now he gets hurt. He doesn't have additional years on his contract. He doesn't have that security. doesn't make sense for him. Um, I think this is the, the next CBA is absolutely going to address it. I think there's going to be some type of change there that's going to impact. And I don't know how it looks, right? I don't know if it's right, a, right. a set number of games or if it's just like, you know, you can't miss games for X, Y, Z or whatever it is. But there's going to be something and it's going to impact the next generation of Hoopers coming in, I'd say maybe what, 2025, 2026 that year. The con- I don't think the contracts are going to be the same going forward from here. Yeah, because these owners, they, they go mess around and close down these gyms yeah. and, and look dudes straight, straight in the face. I mean, I remember what BRI was what? I remember when they were arguing 53-47. Now I, I think BRI is what? Something like 48 for the player, if I'm not mistaken. I'm, yeah, I, I don't in that me, range. But I, I know it's less than 50 and now we're talking about streaming and what what they're trying to do with this NBA app and all the other Amazon is trying to get in the game as How well. How are you going to ask for streaming money and you're not even playing in the game that's being streamed? You know what I I'm know. saying? Like that's that's I the know. first thing the owners are going to say. You want streaming money, but you're not even suiting up, right? And, and, and it's just difficult, right? And the players are going to say, hey, yeah, look at how many games there are. You want us to play all these games and we're going to get hurt and y'all not even guaranteeing our... It, it's it's going to be messy. I, I, I'm I'm going to be all over. I can't be waiting because Joe Sy is going to be at the middle. Like you said, Joe Sy is going to be right at the middle of these conversations. Oh you got God. James Harden. You got KD missing time. You got Kyrie missing time. You got Ben Simmons missing time. You got Joe Harris missing time. You got so many different players missing time. And some of them are acceptable, right? If a guy goes out there and hurts himself on the court, as an owner, you have the obligation of making sure he's paid until he's back on the go. He got hurt on the job. If you're missing games because there was people storming the Capitol, I don't know. It's different. I don't <laughs> it's know. Different. I don't it's, know. It's different. It's different. I don't uh, know. Man, before, before we let you go here, Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic on the same court. Oh, man. That's, it's going to be uh, – I don't know. Uh, Tony Gill threw it in our group chat before the show. And he was like, yo, I don't I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be entertaining. I, I, I concur. I, I think yeah. this is going to be hilarious to watch and also entertaining. One of my uh, good friends, Tim Cato, who covers the Mavericks for The Athletic, texted me about an hour after the trade. All he said was, bro, pray for me, please. Pray for me, <laughs> since now I'm going to have to take your burden of covering Kyrie. Um, offensively, I don't know how you stop Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving. The issue is, you're going to go at them and try to score 150 points a night, and you'll probably get close to 147 every night you go against them. Because you done traded away Spencer, who's six foot six. You done traded away Dorian Finney-Smith. Yeah. So you're looking at Kyrie, Luca, Tim Hardaway, Reggie Bullock, and Christian Wood. Enjoy. Who's gonna stop? Who's gonna stop? You guys are gonna go out there and score 142 points a game and lose by four every night, right? <laughs> it, it's gonna be bad. So I, it's gonna be musty TV because now I think you. I just want to know another thing. Luca has been in the league for about three seconds. Kyrie's been in the league for quite a few years, so a that's decade. gonna be an interesting ego dynamic here because Kyrie was already talking about for the first time in his career he's got someone who he knows can hit that clutch shot with KD. Luka just got here. So what's the respect level like there? And is Kyrie going to be able to defer as necessary? Because this is Luka's team, and Kyrie might feel like he's the best player on that team. So I I know it's going to be fun to watch. I know they ain't going to get more than four stops in a game. Uh, But I do know it improves their ceiling because if if you're an NBA player and you see Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic on that roster and your buyout season is coming up and you can play defense and hit a three, I'm heading oh, to yeah. Dallas immediately because that team needs me. They're going to pay me. They might sign me into a contract extension, and we might go win a championship. So it'll be fun to watch. I just don't think they're going to play a lick of defense. And lastly, I'm going to get these jokes off. You have Kyrie Irving now uh, going to the state of Texas as oh. a flat earther, <laughs> as, a, as a, you know, conspiracy theorist uh, tweeter. And on top of it, He's wearing the unk earring. Oh, my goodness. And he is out here telling y'all exactly what y'all need to be in terms of the the good black people, the the, the Asiatic black man (laughs) in Texas. Ooh-wee. I cannot wait till the belt buckles and Confederate flags come out there not knowing what the fuck to do because he is anti-establishment, but he's also anti-you. So, man... Dog, I can't, I can't wait, wait to see Tank Cruz sideline at a, at a damn Dallas Mavericks game because that is, I, I, I feel like one part of Tank Cruz is a carrier of being, the other part of him hates him to the core, bro. I cannot, I might have to fly out to Dallas to catch one of these games. Oh, it's it's going to be absolute jokes. Let man. me know. Let me know. Let me know. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Uh, I remember the first time that I talked to Vinny Goodwill uh, on NBA oh, Radio great, on Sirius. Great on Sirius XM. He became a, a close personal friend of mine. Like we, we, we get in touch with each other every single week. Christian Winfield is the dude that you guys need to put on your radar, not only for Brooklyn Nets stuff, but the daily news, you know, hold him as long as you got him because this is a national talent in the making. I've been following this dude's work for the last few years. He is upper echelon. He is top tier. We only bring people on this show that we fuck with for a reason. And I'm glad you came on, Christian. I'm I'm, I'm glad you gave us the lowdown. I'm glad for your presence. And uh, let's do this again soon, man. I'm mad you waited till the end of the pod to drop the F-ball, man. I just started throwing some some serious curse no, 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 words. I got to keep you, you know, I got to <laughs> keep you in the bubble wrap before, you know what I mean? Can't give him the whole spiel before, you know. My God, yo, I, I appreciate you for having me on, man. Every time. Good vibes, brother. Appreciate you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Christian Winfield covering the Nets for the Daily News right here on the Full Go Podcast. We'll be back with more of the Full Go with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey guys, this is Ozzy Guille and you are listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff on the ringer in a spot five. So guys, how are we feeling about the weekend? How did everything go for us? Everything good? We're, we're all intact. Family's feeling good. Everybody's skin is looking amazing. You know? Yeah, I actually had a pretty eventful weekend. Uh, yeah, what'd you get into, brother? Yesterday, I met up with my best friend and his new girlfriend. Oh, And then we surprised that's... them with our other best friend and his new girlfriend. Oh, love we, is in the air. Oh, yes. these are oh, these are uh, it is, adventurous fellows. Yes. Because to 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 tie that up before Valentine's Day is, you know, that's there's a bowl straddle in cotton. Let's see, let's see how it goes. They sealed they sealed <laughs> the knot with that date this weekend. Oh, what got married? Oh no, I meant like they're they're stuck. long term. Long. I'm like, what the. F- Fuck, Jesse, you just put them together two seconds ago. All of a sudden, they, they married. Like, I, I, met, Jesse, I met like Valentine's Day. Why don't you not jump in front of that bullet for your friend and say, don't do this? <laughs> it's too early, my man. Because I, I, I haven't gotten hit by the bullet yet. I haven't said I do. Yeah. No, nah, well, I mean, you know, that's coming. That's coming. What's too early? What, what do y'all think is too early for uh, a proposal or getting ready to talk about marriage? I mean... Ooh. I can't say much on this because I'm a product of quick engagements. Um, my grandfather and my grandmother on my dad's side, uh, my granddad saw her at church one time, wrote her a letter one time, figured she was she was moving out of the state. So uh, he's like, hey, I, I can't let her go. So he asked for them to marry, asked for a hand in marriage one day, got married the next day. So, you know. Now I'm here. That that's 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 quick. That's pretty quick. Wait, wait. He asked to marry her and then married her the next day. Yep. She was oh, getting ready to shout move. Out to, shout, shout out to, to the, the OG RP. Shout out to the old times when <laughs> man, our grandfathers and great grandfathers got away with fucking murder. Like 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 they get, can you imagine the day look at a woman in the face? Hey, <laughs> I want to marry you. Oh, okay, let's do it. Tomorrow. Do it tomorrow. <laughs> but I no no run up to a dress, no run up to a party, all these other things, you know, photos and all this other stuff, just tomorrow. And she said yes. And mm-hmm. she was down for the crown ever since that moment. Mm-hmm. See? Hey, man, shout out to the OGs. Yep. A simpler time. Before Instagram. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know? And it, How I about mean, you, Jess? Uh yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's I mean, I think it would just depend because if you feel something, hey, go for it. But I think at least a couple months, I think a day is kind of quick. But I mean, if it works, hey. <laughs> a day is kind of Look at Jesse trying to be nice to, to Tony's grandpappy. <laughs> I respect that. Like, this crazy motherfucker, right? 
I mean, his his I mean, his dad was my great Rolling Stone, right? Rolling Stone. And, oh, you already know. And uh, I guess I guess say we family, like like Lawrence yeah. said, like Bernie Mac be yeah. saying, we family. Yeah, we family. Oh, um, yeah. my Greek shit! I put all my I put all my shit out here. I'm, I'm glad somebody <laughs> told some some more toxic dysfunctional shit on this pod. Yeah. I'll be out here bearing my soul. Y'all two be looking at me like. All right, so you got a full segment you're going to do now? Or what you <laughs> <laughs> if y'all don't know listening to this pod, these two dudes, like, I love these two dudes because we, we've gone through some shit together. And I've cried on this pod. I've done everything on this pod. But there are moments where I'm sitting here bearing my soul and the screen is just blank. And I'm like, oh, I can't even see my, my guys laughing at me or, or, or showing some kind of discernment. You know what I mean? But as of late, they started to keep these cameras on because they know how lonely I've been feeling every time I'm bearing my soul on. I'm going to do it again this pod too, by the way, because I watched something that touched me uh, to the very core. But go ahead, my man. Go ahead. I'm glad somebody else is getting their shit off. <laughs> so my great granddaddy, uh, he was... 27 in, kids. He was, in, he was in the Army and uh, he, was a, he, was, oh. he was a Rolling Stone. Oh, you got, you got, you got kids, you got cousins across the pond. So when people people ask me about, oh, you related to Kendall? I'm like, man, I don't even want to get into it with people because like, fam, probably, probably there was word around in, you know, big family reunions that my, my granddad had a brother that went to Illinois and they had phones and, you know, they barely knew how to write. So if you move to a different state, that was it. That was it. You, you ain't got no brother no more. <laughs> you ain't got no brother no more. So and and he, and he moved to he moved to Illinois in in the parts where Kendall you know resides. So right, right, it, right, it very right. well could be you know if we take a, me and Kendall took a DNA test we we long found out we could be long lost cousins and it's not a very yeah. common name but I digress. Um, so my <laughs> my granddad found out his dad died from his uncle mm-hmm. um, that his father was shot uh, after being found out that he was messing with another man's wife. Man. And uh, he could have patched himself up. Too. He could have patched himself up because being in the army and stuff like that. But the man stood over him and said, if you do it, I'm going to shoot you and just watch him bleed out. Oh, no. Oh, so, wow. no. Yeah. Hey. Here's a word to the wise. <laughs> Don't mow another man's lawn. Yeah, nah, nah. It's as simple as that. Simple as that, guys. You, you never know how crazy somebody's man is. So my grandfather okay. uh, became the man of the cloth. And uh, <laughs> we we here today, baby. There it is. Several lords. Right? Cool. It took a horrific incident for the family to understand. You know what? Jesus is, is in our future. <laughs> and shout out to that. Amen to that. Ooh. Hey, Pete. Hey, Pete. Come here. <laughs> Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. So, Tony said, great-grandfather? Well, what which one? They got married? Yeah. No, my grandfather. My father's okay. parents. Yeah. Okay, his father's dad. So, his dad's dad saw this little filly and said, I'm going to marry you. When did he meet her? At church, at church, they they've seen each other across the way. Never really like talk talk like that. Um, mm-hmm. But he sought her out and wrote her a letter, a couple letters, asked her to marry her before she moved away. Uh, they got yeah. engaged and then got married oh, the next day. The That's next beautiful. Day. When you know, you know. So now, I mean, that was that, leading up to. That, I mean, he had to ask her then because she was she was about to be gone, gone. Like, right. That was a lot. Of, I, I don't want to get into her. Let me tell you, that was crazy. That was, that was game. That was game. <laughs> like, oh, no goddamn way. That's what they do. That's what they do. That's what they do. Because we talked about, uh, you know, what is what is too soon, right? Uh-huh. You know, and yeah, I can't be in a too soon bag because you know how. <laughs> you already know. Anytime she's on the spot, I look like a fucking sucker anyway. So every thing, the last three times you've been on this podcast, I have come off looking like the biggest of suckers. And it's cool. <laughs> but but what do you think is too soon? I like, how do you, for, for, for marriage? And this is from this an expert. This is on Married at First Sight. Shout out. I didn't want to mention it because <laughs> I didn't want, you know, last time I mentioned it, I got a little hot water. 
So how how soon is too soon? Not only in your professional opinion, but also in your personal opinion. I think everyone's different. It just depends on the situation. It just depends on the situation. Yeah, I don't think there's a, a set time limit. Hmm. Okay. So if if I was to tell you, hey, uh, let's go get married tomorrow because I can't wait and ain't no set time limit, what would you say to that? Let's go. Yeah, this is cap. This is big cap. I'm not gonna let you sit here and lie on my platform. <laughs> if we have a platform together one day, which I think will happen, we can lie on it together. You know, about to sit. If I if I looked you in the face, I was like, to get the dress, all that, we go tomorrow. Let's do it. Yes. You got to do it for the content now. <laughs> Tony, you know Jesse Lopez. I love it. Uh, don't let this woman sit here. Don't let this woman sit here. I'm over the pomp and circumstance a little bit. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. I have been planning for all the pomp and all the circumstance. <laughs> like, like I thought that was built in. No. I don't, maybe I need to talk to her more in front of y'all because <laughs> this person that I'm right now, like I thought there had to be a, a double horse and carriage followed by three Rolls Royces so dropped out of a helicopter. And that. that was the, the engagement party. <laughs> like, 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 I didn't, I mean, I'm not going to courthouse to you. You know what I'm saying? I, you know, I got a little, little swag to it, you know? Because then people will be talking crazy, and then next thing you know. Well, who cares if people care? But then in the times where, you know, the road might be a little rocky, you're going to think this bum-ass motherfucker took me the next day. You know what I mean? You know, you just got to make it right. Hey, <laughs> my, my, old man's a, my old man's a minister. Just, you know. Oh. Oh. See, it's him. It's him. It's him. It's him. You see? Tony. Y'all see? We have a production meeting. It's him. I just don't, I just want to see love flourish. You know, it's flourishing you right know? now. It's, you it's know? It's shining. It's shining like the light. You, you know? know? <laughs> like a diamond. Yeah, we about to talk about the <laughs> <laughs> Time for some commercials. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com what up world it's Vic Spencer and you're listening to the full goal with Jason Goff presented by the ringer a Spotify original so I become a documentary aficionado like that's all we do in the crib is watch documentaries watch docuseries watch true crime things and it's always a great thing to watch before you fall asleep by the way to, to have some grisly murder uh, <laughs> with all the details and all the photos right before you shut your eyes. Uh, so shout out to Netflix and Hulu and every other thing we have downloaded to watch all of our docu-series and documentaries. It's become a bonding experience. Now that I think about it, man, like me, me and my old lady just chill and watch Family Feud and documentaries and movies that people, uh, you know, recommend to her that I know are going to be asked, but I, I go through it because you know, she's my baby and, you know, she'll sit through a lot of shit for me. So, and when I say a lot of shit, I mean like a, a half of a quarter of a basketball game, you know, which I know is like pulling teeth for her. So in that, I get excited now when I run up on a documentary that I'm like, okay, because 
Movies do it for me, but documentaries, like, hey, it's real life, right? The stand documentary about Mahmoud Abdul Rauf on Showtime is outstanding. And I don't come on here and stump for documentaries or stump for people's stuff too often. But when I do, I feel like there's quality there. And the Chicago stuff in it is absolutely, absolutely jaw-dropping. If you were a, a fan of basketball at that time, now, if, if you don't know the story of Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, uh, Chris Jackson, before he became Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, um, one of the greatest shooting point guards the game has ever seen, one of the most talented small guys the game had saw in that generation. I remember when Chris Jackson was doing this thing at LSU, like around the time that I started really getting into sports, around like 86, 87, somewhere around there when I was a little, little kid and I started just gravitating to anything I could consume sports-wise. LSU was on the map because Dale Brown was out here running up the score. Like Dale Brown's offense was ridiculous. And then he messed around and had these two giant dudes and Stanley Roberts and one that y'all would come to know is Shaquille O'Neal. But before that, the year before Shaq arrived, I think it was two years, but uh, definitely one year before Shaq arrived, there was a dude who was putting up numbers that no freshman should be putting up. And Chris Jackson, I remember the 53-point game, uh, just hearing about it, hearing my, 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 my folks talk about it, hearing my pops talk about it, hearing like, just people who I respected sports-wise talking about, all right, this is a young dude running around Louisiana who might be that guy. And to see the evolution, not just of his career, but of his story. And also, I knew that he was battling, or not battling, but living with Tourette syndrome. And it was kind of the first person that I was introduced to on any scale that had Tourette syndrome. Uh, and it was such a public situation where, you know, you see a guy with the tics and you see a guy with the, you know, the, the, the uncontrollable uh, movements of his body. And you're like, as a kid, like, oh, is something wrong with him? And then you learn, okay, he's got He's been diagnosed with something. And to, to listen to his story and to watch where he came from, dirt poor kid in Gulfport, Louisiana, to a dude who, and, and even in that, even undiagnosed until he was 17, by the way. Yeah. He said he started feeling these things in third grade. He thought something was wrong with him in third or second grade, right? Didn't know who his father was. And you'll, you know, I don't want to give it away to you. Uh, did you see it, Tom? Did you see the documentary? Uh, I did not. Um, okay. But I do know, like, my father told me stories about Chris Jackson, so I know a lot about Chris Jackson. I think he wanted me to play like Chris Jackson. <laughs> so, hey, it's um, a lot worse so, yeah. people your pops could have picked out for you to play like that. Like, to like, Tony, when I tell you, um, and the Steph Curry stuff isn't far off. Like, legit. Like, you know how we, we see guys and be like, that guy could have been this. Nah, legit. Yeah, no, he was a dude. Chris Jackson was that dude. And in watching the documentary, like not knowing who his father was and, you know, all the things that would provide just a, a, a ton of anxiety and worry for a young person and all the, like the, the spirit that he had in terms of you just felt like a, a more mature than necessary nature at a very young age. Right. And, you know, having a, a, a syndrome or having a uh, living with something that wasn't common for everyone. And, and, and a coach having to point it out during a, a, a basketball camp, uh, a, 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 an opposing coach, if I'm not mistaken, or a coach who was also at a camp, had to point it out to the coach that he had. Like, yeah, I know what that dude is going through because my son has it. That story alone and him becoming a, a, an all-time great talent is one thing. But it then transitioning to the fight that he fought when he uh, converted to Islam and how he was ostracized by a lot of people around the NBA and the things that he was doing before anyone took notice and how sports radio played a part in it as well. In Denver, uh, a guy named Joe Williams pointed out the fact that he went to a game, you know, a host pointed out the fact that he went to a game and saw that Chris Jackson, uh, then Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, and now Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf, because I don't want to be disrespectful in any way, but was sitting during the anthem. Mahmoud said he had been doing this for months. And no one noticed, no one thought anything of it, but a guy on a sports radio goes onto his platform and has to stir it up, probably doesn't have any content, 
and messes around and throws it out there. Next thing you know, news cameras out there. He didn't know why everybody was out there. He gets asked a question and he told him, you know, plain and simple, good English, bad manners. Yo, this is what it is. I, it is a symbol, uh, not only because this is where he got in, in, in the hot water because of soundbite culture. You know, he talked about the oppression, the oppression, I should say, and tyranny uh, that the people of this land and who were brought to this land uh, had experience, but he also had a nuanced conversation that was similar to the one that Colin Kaepernick had in 2000, what, 15, 2016. And in watching this and thinking to myself, this was before social media, right? This is before you could get everybody to jump on a wave with you and, you know, kind of stand guard while you are taking all of the arrows. He had none of this. He had absolutely none of this. And he's an incredibly and intensely prideful man. You know, not to the point where I believe it's ego, because you can get to that point. And and, and it happens to most men, if not every man. But it, it seemed like he was so insightful, so measured with his thoughts, and people were just um, bombing onto what they wanted to hear out of, okay, you hate the flag, you hate the country. And it's the same thing that Colin Kaepernick was saying. It's like, yo, there's a lot of things that's going on in a country that everyone believes is great, and it could be greater if these things were remedied, if these things were rectified, and if everyone had the the exact same rights that this country um, idealizes and, and also presents in terms of liberty, freedom, and justice for all in all of the, the sayings, but the application of it isn't as clear. And Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf was saying these things back in the early 90s. And the fact that March, I think it was March 15th, 1993, was the boiling point at the old Chicago Stadium, where that's when the national news really was waiting for him to not stand. And the compromise that he was going to do was uh, praying while, while the anthem was playing. There was a whole bunch of people in that thing that I did not know that they stood where they stood. Dennis Rodman said some things that I thought were unfortunate. Phil Jackson said some things that when you when you circle the wagons, when you go back and look at it, some of the things that Phil said about Kobe uh, in his book, some of the things that Phil Jackson said about LeBron and his posse, like looking back at it, we've, we've always treated Phil like this Zen master and he's out here smoking peyote and enjoying himself and oh, he must be all loving and all knowing. Nah, he, he still had some leanings that were very, um, shall we say, establishment E. Right. And in this documentary, the footage goes back and shows you everything that you want to see by some of your favorite people who at the time were not saying some of the things that you think they would say in this day. Even Steve Kerr, like Steve Kerr is at the forefront with Greg Popovich for social justice and human rights and all the Steve Kerr said that he didn't uh, even if he said something to the point uh, to the effect of and I don't want to mangle his words, but even if he didn't agree with it. You know, he he didn't um, he didn't think that he didn't have the right to or something to that effect. And I don't want to I don't want to mischaracterize Steve Kerr in this moment. But the young Steve Kerr, because they had young Steve Kerr footage, because he was talking about not being able to stay in front of Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf and how how terrific of a player he was. But the younger Steve Kerr, you could tell the the evolution of him socially and in the mindset that he has become now. And this is, you know. This is a man whose whose father was assassinated, you know, in Lebanon, right? Like this is a, this is a man who is very aware of public and political and social pressures and the dynamics that come into play when you are a a, a platform figure, right? So to see a lot of these conversations take place, but kind of like in a in a time machine, obviously because it's a documentary, I was so I was so enthralled by what I was watching. And I watched it this morning because I made it a point because it came out on February 3rd. I made it a point to, to sit myself down and, and allow myself an hour and 36 minutes, whatever it is, to sit down and watch it. And I sat there, Tony, and I sat there, Jesse, and I couldn't help but think that, one, what we just saw about six, seven years ago with the Colin Kaepernick situation and how it all unfolded and how Colin Kaepernick became essentially a martyr uh, for athletes with a voice and athletes who wanted things to improve and, and, and spoke on them in their way with their platform. I think about 
Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, who said he went broke. <laughs> he said he went broke, like dirt poor broke, because of all the things that were stripped away from him. Um, and, and he talked about the way that his Tourette syndrome was diagnosed. He talked about, uh, you know, going to a, a, a camp where Michael Jordan was one of the dudes at the camp and being able to go at him off the off the rip as a high schooler and saying to himself, if I could do this now, I might be pretty good at this in the end. So there's a lot of Chicago ties in this documentary. It's called Stan, uh, and it's on Showtime. And, and if you guys out there trust me in any way, uh, if you are dissatisfied with um, how this will captivate you, because I don't think that if you don't agree with not standing for the anthem, I don't think this is going to change your mind at all. But what I do think it will do is lend some some nuance to a conversation that we just had six or seven years ago. And because of the political climate and all the other things that were going on and have gone on since, it's still kind of hot button. And now we've been so fatigued by it that we don't bring up Kaepernick anymore. But the fact that this documentary dropped when it did, and there's so many Chicago ties, Chicago is referenced at least five or six times throughout this thing. Uh, there, there are people from yesteryear's NBA in this thing that uh, you would be like, oh, man, I forgot about Bernie Dickerstaff, or I forgot about this guy, I forgot about that guy. And there are also some people in this that will not like the way that they are represented. But all in all, man, and when I think about Colin Kaepernick and the, the non-disclosed amount of money that he got from the NFL and his settlement and, and the Nike contract and all those things. I'm not saying that Colin Kaepernick should be happy with the money that he got, right? Or what the, the, the payoff, because in the end, he didn't get a chance to fulfill his dream, which is to, to play NFL quarterback at a high level for as long as his body could permit him to do so. But before we start to pretend like Colin Kaepernick is the only person that has gone through this, Go back and look up what Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf went through and what happened during the time in the early 90s when he chose not to stand for the national anthem and why he didn't stand, right? And Tony puts in the chat, you know, Craig Hodges. I mean, Craig Hodges going to the White House and, and handing the president uh, a, a slip of paper with all the demands. You know what I mean? Like, those are the things where we, you know, we get caught up in our social media cycles and all of a sudden it drops off the face of the earth and then we wait for another thing to happen or we wait for this to happen and next thing you know we're on to the next movement or on to the next cause now man these dudes are still out here still talking that talk and still trying to make sure that this country is providing uh what it says it's supposed to provide and will provide to all of its people right so if you're down for that kind of thing and if you're down for being moved in a, in a way either way I'm not saying it's going to move you to one side or the other, but it was absolutely captivating hours, hour and a half. And so I'd love to talk to somebody from the documentary. Hell, I'd love to talk to Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf because, uh, one, because of all the Chicago mentions in that joint, and also because, man, I remember how sweet a basketball player he was. And for that to be taken away, and I, I don't want to personalize this, man, but, but to watch him be cold at what he did and everybody understand that and then for it to be taken away because he questioned some things that everybody probably should question all of us right right because we all do the mlk you know injustice to one is is injustice to all yeah man he he walked that walk and he and he lived that life and he continues to do so He's running around with the big three, still dropping buckets on people's heads. Uh, but every once in a while, we like to pull your coat on some things you should check out media-wise here on the Full Go Podcast. Uh, Stand, the documentary on Showtime, is definitely one of those things. The Full Go with Jason Golf. That's all the time we have for episode 205 of the Full Go Podcast. I want to thank our guest from the New York Daily News. He covers the Nets like a blanket. He is Christian Winfield. Make sure you are looking out for him and consuming his content. The dude is a rising star in this business. I want to thank our production staff. Of course, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the active Jesse Lopez, and of course, my main man, Tony Gill. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff. Thank you for downloading this thing. Thank you for subscribing to this thing, rating and reviewing it, giving it five stars, or else we will have to see you in these streets. Thank you for sharing it with your family and friends. Whatever you do for this pod, I am truly, truly appreciative of it, as well as the fellas. So until the next time, which is Tuesday, we're going to get into Super Bowl preview. Which one? What, what Super Bowl is this? Super Bowl 50... What is it, 59, 61, 74? Which one is it? 
I, I forget. I don't keep up with these numbers anymore. LV22. That's not a number, Jesse. That's not a number, Jesse. Yeah, I appreciate you. So <laughs> shout out to Super Bowl LV22. We will start to preview that thing on Tuesday. And we'll get at the people in here who know better than I so they can inform and entertain you half as much as I try to. All right, make sure you keep that voicemail line close and near and dear to your heart. The full goal voicemail line is always 57. That's seven, what it equals to. Super Bowl 57. Super Bowl 57. There you go. There it is. It is. 773-359-3103 is the phone number. 773-359-3103. So for the fellas, thank you so much. This is the Full Go Podcast. And as always, we leave you with this. Take care of each other. Be safe. Skip the NFL, man. Like nobody reads Roman numerals anymore. Like, what do you? What are we doing? Put numbers, put real numbers on. This is an American sport. What? Who are we trying to pander to? Who are we care the Romans still apparently. Right. Like, what? Get out of here. They don't even like this game. They don't even like this game. Like, what are we doing here? Ooh, I know. Let's put let's put some Roman numerals behind that Super Bowl. That'll get people interested. Nah, we here for the violence and the concussions. Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> that, that's the that's the stinger. stinger. Oh yeah, that's the stinger right there. <laughs> <laughs>